you, you ever come into a meeting and go, wow. I was going to ask, actually, this morning, sometimes, a few weeks ago, I asked if anybody was grumpy. Is anybody happy today? Yeah. yeah. Jackie was grumpy last time. She's happy now. <laughs> Amazing what a week of prayer does for you. Actually, seriously, we don't earn anything from God. You know, we don't get extra special blessing in that sense because we pray. What we do, as we pray, we align ourselves with God and become open channels and find great blessing. But it's us who change, not God. And uh, just been so good. Thank you for uh, being committed to prayer this week. And can I encourage you to continue on being committed to prayer? Don't let it be just, well, that was nice, wasn't it? Um, let, let, let's make prayer just the absolute center of everything we do. And we will have more weeks of prayer uh, in the not-too-distant future, I promise. Uh, just a couple of things before I get started. The first thing, I just want to... I mentioned, just dropped in a few weeks ago about the PA system, um, which is, is not very well, and it needs replacing. And I said, if anybody wanted to give us £10,000 to change it, you're very welcome. Um, I just thought I'd mention it again. I'm really not trying to manipulate you, but we, we have three amplifiers on the system, okay? Uh, one now has died completely. It's not working at all. Another one is making an odd noise. So that's, you know, and we need two to run this, okay? So um, I just flag it before you take it to God in prayer. We've got to find a way of solving that, getting a new system in here, and um, something that's a bit, a bit more suitable, really, for our needs in, in the sense of being very uh, flexible, easy to set up, take down, and yet also uh, future-ready as well for any time we have our own building. So I just leave that with you, if that's okay. I'm sure you don't mind, do you? Uh, tough. Right. Um, just, again, one more thing before we get started. Uh, uh, I, I want to talk to you uh, for a, just a minute about our, our group system. As you know, for quite some time now, we have run uh, with a system of, of big groups and small groups. And, um, and, and that's, that's worked well, I think. But as we've been praying over the last few months, we've felt clearly led to make some changes. And uh, God very clearly put three words together in my mind. And they are this, community, mission, and relationships. Okay? Community, mission, and relationships. And, uh, and so we're going to put together things around those three words. I must emphasize this is still very much a work in progress. This isn't a nice system with a, a ribbon on saying that's everything. We're developing this. I want you to be aware of what we're developing. And the plan is to develop what we call community groups, um, there's, there's, the, the idea is to have each community group with its own leadership, its own mission, okay, and freedom to develop as a community in the way that best suits that mission. So we're not all trying to be clones and all do things the same way. Uh, the starting point for our community groups are the existing big groups, but then others will be added. So, for example, the impact group, uh, which is primarily students and teens in early 20s, uh, it started as a small group back end of last year, but has continued to run and will continue to run as a community group. And that's mission, obviously, will be to that age group and, and students. Uh, the existing big groups will be known as community groups. It doesn't, it's more than just a change of name, but that's down to us to make it so. Other communities will emerge. Clearly, the 30 volunteers who work with Open Door are a group of people who are definitely on a mission, so there are possibilities there. 
These community groups will not stop and start like the big groups have done in the past. The frequency of meetings and the times when the community groups have a break will be down to each community group leadership. So we'll do things in a whole variety of different ways. Um, Are there some unanswered questions? Loads. Okay, people say, how's that going to work? I don't know. But when you're trying to build structure around life, it has to be a dynamic process. We're going to find what works. But I wanted you to be in on it, not wondering what's happening. So if you find your big group leader, he starts talking about the group as a community group. Now you know what he's talking about. Is that all right? Um, After Easter, I don't know if Simon knows this yet, but after Easter, the elders, we we will be preaching into the whole area of of biblical community and being a people together on a mission. Okay? That's where we feel to go. Well, two of us do. And and Simon would have said yes. I just just meant to have a chat with him before. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. And... and, um, I just feel very, I really feel God speaking to us about that. And, and so that's, that's really exciting. Uh, another thing, I haven't talked to anybody about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, well, we are going to change this system. Okay? It seems to be a bit labor intensive to me. We're trying to change the, the, the notice sheet that has a fill in place and a place, a tear off slip, place for questions, a place in for change of information. Okay, so watch this space on that. And Jackie will be thrilled with me for saying that because she has all the work to do with the current system. We want to do something that is, is, is less laborious, better for Raj at the end of a meeting. We're, we're thinking of... And, and something that really works, is very effective, gives us lots of communication, but isn't just something that... Because you'd be amazing what people write on here, like, what, again? Or things like that. So we're, we're trying to change that too. So watch this space. Are you okay with all of that? You know what? Change is here to stay. Okay? The nature of change is, oh, we've changed it now. Is that it? No. The very nature of church life is dynamic. The very nature of being the people of God is dynamic. We build, we adapt to the life that God's pouring into us. So when God starts pouring his rain upon us, you know, the the experience of the early church in Acts, you know, and 5,000 are added in a day. Do you think they had to change? For that, because God poured in some life. They had to build something around that. And so, that's, that's what we're about. We're, we're, we're operating, changing things so that we will be able to grow. People will be discipled. There will be lots of relationships built and be very clear about our mission. All right? If you've got a problem, see me after. But not for too long. Right. Colossians, please. Chapter 2, verses 8 to 23. We've been working our way through the book of Colossians. Last week, Raj took us through the first eight verses of chapter 2. And uh, we start again with that verse 8 through to the end of the chapter. Um, With hindsight, as I was preparing this, I realized, you know what? There's there's a ton of preachers in here. uh, But we we just have to just run with what we've got, so... I'll do my best. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, 
All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised, in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and in the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Wow, there's loads in there, isn't there? Okay, once again I've given myself three points. Knowing our identity, knowing our freedom, and then asking the question, are we living in our freedom? Knowing our identity, I start from where Raj finished last week. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Paul is here basically saying to the church, you are free in Christ now. Don't let anyone take you captive again. Don't let everyone say, well, now you're free. Now you've got to do this. Have you ever, I've met Christians who you, oh, I'm free, I'm free. And somebody comes along and says, well, now this is what you have to do as a Christian. And you step out of one regime, if you like, into another of legalistic performance. No, not at all. We are free, totally free in Christ. And then Paul goes on to say some amazing, amazing things. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now, I don't know if you get your head around that very well, but I find that jaw-dropping. All of the Godhead is in the man Christ Jesus. Wow. So if we want to know what God's like, all we have to do is look at Jesus. Jesus laid down all the glory and the grandeur of heaven. He became a little baby. He grew into manhood, but he never for a second stopped being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In the way he lived in his love, in his compassion, in his sacrifice, he revealed to us the very nature of our God, who is love. All the fullness of the deity is in Christ, and he revealed, he's revealing God to us all the time. God's revealed in him, through him. But more than that, he has made a way for every one of us 
God himself made a way for every one of us to be forgiven of our sin and shame. All that separates us from God's taken away. And he now brings us into a relationship with God as our Father. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He could only do that because in him dwelt all the fullness of the deity. He's the one who made a way for us to have this amazing relationship with God. When I was a boy, I do this every now and again, it's a sign of age. When I was a boy, we used to sing a little chorus. I, I won't sing it to you right now, but Christ is the answer to my every need. Christ is the answer, he is my friend indeed. Problems of life my spirit may assail, but with Christ my Saviour I shall never fail. For Christ is the answer to my need. That, that's a very simple little song. But it's a little song that got into my gut as a little boy. Teach our children the truth of these profound mysteries. Jesus is the answer to every problem they have. Jesus is the answer to every situation. Whatever the question, Jesus is always the answer. Because in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of the deity. Isn't that, like, how do you get your head around that? I don't know, but this is the truth. So our confidence is not in a man who became, you know, a God who, who became a man and, and couldn't help us. No, our, our confidence is in a God who is love, who is glorious, who is amazing, and out of love and compassion for a lost and dying world, took upon himself humanity, and in his, in, the whole of the deity is identified in Christ in a manger, in an animal feeding trough. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. That's amazing. And he goes all the way to Calvary. That's amazing. That's what our salvation stands on. Paul goes on to say something else amazing. It's all amazing. I'm going to say amazing a lot this morning. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and, wait for it, and you, you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumstanced in, in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, this is not legalism, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. The implication of what God's saying here is just staggering. As born again men and women, we are in Christ forever. If you want to know why baptism is so important, the answer is right here. See, baptism, baptism in water, is not just about saying, I've become a believer. Okay? It's about being fully identified with Christ and an entering into this amazing fullness that Paul is talking about here. It's about entering into our full identity as children of God. You see, if, if in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead and all his amazing beingness, and then he says, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Where am I? I'm in God. God is in me. It's not just like, doesn't that, it's like, what? It kind of blows you away. But baptism is the key to this. It's, as I was preparing this, it was like God was saying, look at it, look at it, look at it. I was wishing I had a week to prepare, not just about five hours. I was saved at the age of seven. 
and the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army don't baptize in water. Now, I love the Salvation Army. I love my background. They do make a very clear declaration of faith, but they don't baptize. They say we are saved by faith alone, and actually we are, rightly so, but they do miss out something very important. So by the time I was 28, I was so convicted, I knew I had to get baptized in water. I had to do it God's way. I had to, if I wanted to enter into everything God had for me, if I wanted to really understand this fullness in my own life and experience, then I needed to submit myself to the Word of God. I needed to submit myself to the Lordship of Christ. I needed to get baptized by full immersion. And I assure you, that was not, for me who hates water, that was not easy. You see, baptism is, is more than an outward symbol. It's a means of entering into the fullness that can only come from being hidden in Christ. I die with him and I'm raised with him as I come out the water. If we, if we get baptized full of faith, we enter into this. It's not just an initiation into the church. It's about being fully identified with him in whom dwells the fullness of the deity. It's about being fully identified with Christ. This fullness in Christ is all about little old us entering into the fullness of the Godhead. (laughs) Sounds nearly heretical, doesn't it? But it's not because it says you've become a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So it's just not, I'm a believer now, I'm still the old me, I've started to believe in Jesus and I got wet. It's not about that. It's look, I died with Christ, I I fully identify with his death and resurrection, I'm now choosing, I'm, I'm making this declaration and I'm choosing to say, God, I want everything you have for me, everything you want for me. I, I go through the waters of baptism and I, I die with you and I raise to new life with you and I am now born again, brand new on the inside, brand new creation for all time. I'm, I'm joined to the Godhead for all time. That's, that's what baptism's about. It's jaw-dropping. It's like, whoa. The implications are, Whoa. I've seen too many baptism services where it's just like, oh yeah, well, that was, I remember that, it was okay. No! I can't, I don't think after I've, I've prepared this I can do baptisms the same anymore without emphasizing the very nature of, of what it's about. It's a transformation process. You might say, well, it's not our culture. It doesn't matter whether it's our culture. It's God's way. And that's what matters. It's God's way. So you see, we're not just a bunch of people who've been saved from sin and shame. We're a bunch of people who've been given a brand new identity as children of God. Children of God who are growing to be like Him. Children of God who've been given His authority. Because if I'm in Christ, then I have His authority, don't I? I don't need to be apologetic. I walk in the room and God walks in the room. You walk in the room and God walks in the room. Oh, that's a bit much, Paul. That's a bit heavy. I'm just me. No, no, you're hidden in Christ. You go into your workplace. You go into your school. You go into your study or wherever you go. 
when you go as a born-again, baptized believer, you go in, God goes in. I'm in Christ, God is here. That's the truth of it. That's what our salvation's about. That's the glorious thing about the church. It's not like, I'm a believer, I hope I get to heaven. I've been given a brand new identity. I've been given an identity, wow, in Christ, but I've given, given an authority. I'm in Him. And all authority and power belongs to Him. But we haven't only just been given His authority, we are children of God who've been given His power as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. His power. You know the power that was at work in Jesus when He raised the dead, He cast out demons, He healed the sick. That power, that person of the Holy Spirit is the same person who fills us. We say, oh, fill me, Lord. It's not just about a warm fuzzy or a nice feeling or, woo, I tingled. It's nothing about feeling at all. It's about a fact. As we believe on him, he says, everyone who asks receives. And as we are baptized, he said, now be filled with the Spirit. Receive. And it's, more than, it's, it's to do more than produce a puff of wind. It's, a, it's about actually walking like Jesus walked, doing the works that Jesus did. Wow. It's just, some of you look at me like, well, this is our salvation. We're not just church attenders. Oh, I like this church. It meets my need. That's rubbish. It's not about just church meet. No, you are the church if you're born again. You're hidden in Christ. We are the church, the dwelling place of God on the earth. It's not about Sunday meetings. It's not about, oh, I went to big group this week. It's about I'm part of this vibrant community of God on in Teesside, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to be Jesus to this lost and dying community. That's who it is. That's who we are. So when Jesus says to us, the church, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He's saying, now. Do you remember? Now? Do you remember my preach that was now? Now is the day of salvation. Now, not oh, one day. No, now. That's what he's saying. Now, you are hidden in me. You together, he says to us, are Christ on earth. The word Christian actually means little Christ. Okay? We use the word Christian just like that, but actually it means you're a little Christ. We together are a big Christ on earth. So he's saying to us that we have the full authority of Jesus and we have all his power available to work in and through our lives. We have his commission and we have permission to go for it. Why are we going to have community groups on a mission? Because Jesus has given us a mission. Yes. We have his authority to do it. We have his power to do it. So guess what? We better do it. It's simple. It's not complicated. Please, please, please don't think of church as a Sunday meeting. I enjoyed the meeting this morning. Well, I hope you do. And I hope we encounter God every time we gather. 
But I hope we encounter God in our community groups. I pray we encounter God in our prayer groups, in our prayer teams. I pray we encounter God whatever we're doing. But you know what? I pray we encounter God as we go and take the gospel to a lost and dying world, as we befriend our neighbors. Interesting. I've got this plumber friend along the road who I'm on his case big time. And then Gene suddenly started talking to a lady across the road and had a 20-minute conversation with this lady, not about God, but a, a door kind of opened. So Jesus, Gene said, coffee's next. Right? Because everything we do is about our mission. It's not onerous. It's not heavy. It's not hard. It's just we're a people on a mission. We've got his authority. We've got his power. So everywhere we go. Do you remember? You walk into your workplace... God is there. Sorry, I'm just looking at Raj thinking, as, as a doctor, all right? People come to see Dr. Raj and they meet Jesus. And he prescribes very well, I'm sure, right? But, but do, you, do you get the, the mindset? It's not just, it's not just, I went to the doctors, I wonder what God's going to do. No, no, Raj is a little Christ. He's a Christian. And so they meet Jesus, and Jesus is the one who diagnoses, and Jesus, oh, it's another doctor, and Jesus is, is the one, Jesus is the one who prescribes for them. Do, do, do you understand? It's, it's an identity issue. We have as authority to do that. Now, you, I'm sure you, you'd probably get kicked out very quickly if you said, hello, I'm Jesus. You're, you, you just get into trouble when you did that. I don't mean that, but if you know your identity, if you know who you are as a child of God, it changes all your outlook to everything. School teacher, whatever you are. Ooh. Ooh. That's what it feels like. Ooh. But I need to say to you, baptism in water is so important. If you believe in Jesus, you need to get baptized because you want to enter into the fullness of Christ. And guess what? Our next baptism is Easter Sunday morning, which is April the 8th. So if you want to get baptized, please, 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 have a word with Simon. Or, well, is that okay? Or, or if, if you see me, I'll, Simon will keep a list. Or Jackie, have a word with Jackie. She'll keep a list. We'll contact you. I, I don't... <laughs> but if you have a word with me, I might forget. It's an age thing. No, it's not. I'm sorry. The important thing is, if you put your faith in Jesus, then it's, you, you need to get baptized. You need to. Because there's a fullness issue of entering into Christ, the fullness of Christ. I move on. Knowing our freedom. Paul says, when you were dead in your sins and in, in uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. We are born again men and women. We are alive with Christ. That means we're not alongside him. It means we are with him. It means, it, it, it means we are filled with him. We're alive with him. So here's what Jesus did on the cross. He forgave us all our sins. He cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that, that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Wow. The law of God is the thing that finds us out. All the law of God does is prove we are lawbreakers. It's a bit like this sign that says, don't walk on the grass. 
Have you ever seen a sign on a lawn? Do not walk on the grass. What do you do? Well, I don't walk on it, but I've just got to put one foot on it for a moment. It's it's the nature of sin. It's just, you're not allowed to do that. Just give it a little try. Because what I'm saying is, I want to be in control. I don't want to obey. I want to do it my way. Yeah, that's all we're saying. That's the nature of sin. Sin is about self-centeredness, self-reliance, rather than God-centeredness and God-reliance. If you're given boundaries, there's something deep inside you wants to know you, you can cross that line and get away with it. 30 miles an hour. I'll just do 33. Maybe 34. You've got a 10% thing on your thing anyway. You'll be all right. Maybe 35. Nobody's looking. I'll do 50. Flash. That got you. Right? The, the, the thing about sin is it's inherent in everything we do. I go to the doctors and they'll say, do exercise. Yeah, that would be really good. I, I so agree. I could do with some exercise. Do I do any exercise? It's obvious, really. It's just the nature of it, isn't it? Whatever anybody tells us to do, we think we know better. It's called sin. We are sinners by nature. We want, to go in a, we want to be in control rather than have someone else in control. But Paul tells us that on the cross, Jesus cancelled the written code, this law with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. It says he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Does that mean Jesus abolished the law of God? No. The law of God is the law of God. So what's it mean? What it means is that, that Jesus nails the law on the cross and then hangs on top of it and fulfills that law once and for all time. All the demands of the law are satisfied by the blood of Christ being poured out for you and I. Isn't that amazing? It's like, I'm free now because I can walk on the grass without condemnation because the the demand, the the law that that required me, it's been fulfilled. Even though I'm on the grass, the judgment has gone somewhere else. Isn't that amazing? I find it amazing. So the Apostle Paul can say with confidence in Romans 6, there is no longer, we are no longer under law, but we're now under grace. We now under, live under the completed work of Jesus on the cross. That's what it means to be in Christ. All the requirements of the law of God and the punishment for us that our sin deserved has been accomplished once and for all time. Hallelujah, I'm free. You can say to one another, hello, I'm free. Yeah, I thought you might say it like that. But Jesus did more than that. I, 
I got hold of something as I was preparing this, and I, it says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. How did Jesus do that? How did Jesus make a public spectacle of the powers and authorities? And what we're talking about here is not just earthly powers and authorities. There was earthly powers and authorities, the Romans and, and all the, the rulers and so on. But there's the principalities and powers as well. Okay? He, he, he put them on display, it says. How did he do that? Surely he was the spectacle. Well, here is what he did. He allowed the powers and authorities to have their way. He allowed all the forces of darkness to abuse him, to crown him with a crown of thorns. He let them do their worst. They spat upon him, they jeered him, they abused him, they beat him, they laughed at him. And all he was doing is he was letting, he's showing up the powers and authorities for what they are. He's showing up what the forces of darkness are like. You see, they are brutal. They are menacing. They are anti-God. They love to break, to ridicule and destroy. They are full of anger and hate and anti-love. So at the cross, Jesus shows up the devil and all his works in their true light. You know, he's hanging on the cross. What happens? It's midday and the sky goes dark. This is, what, this is what the kingdom of darkness is like. Okay? The devil and all his works is like that. Anything that's anti-God is like that. He's putting it on display. Here it is. Okay? The sun's darkened. It's, it's horrible. There's an earthquake. Everybody's terrified. Jesus is there being abused and spat upon. He's the focus of all the hostility of all the powers and authorities for all time. And he said, go on then. Go on then. Come on then. Come on, look, look. And then he says to us, do you see what they've done? Do you see what they're like? And we're looking and think, that's pretty horrible. But then, when all was revealed, he goes on to pay the price. His blood's pouring out. It says in John 19.30, he says, and when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's like he's saying to all the forces arrayed against him, you think you're in control, but you're not. In Christ dwells all the fullness of the deity. Hanging on the cross, there is God, all the glory, all the majesty, all the splendor, the amazing God who spoke it all into being. There he is. And his, his, his life's dripping away. His blood's being poured out. It's dark. It's horrible. It's, it's despairing. And he says, you think you're in control. But you're not. I will not hang here until my life drains away at your convenience. I finished my task. The price is paid. And you are revealed for what you are. I choose when I die. And then gives up his spirit. Isn't that glorious? Not for one moment on the cross was Jesus out of control. He gave himself freely. He exposed all the forces of darkness for what they are. He, all the powers and authorities are arrayed and they're horrible and they're disgusting and you just need to look at what's going on in Syria right now and people being destroyed and people blown up and, and children. Oh, it's just horrible. And you just look at that and then you just look at the cross. You say, yeah, that's what, that's what this world's like. That's what, there's, there's an enemy called the devil and that's what he's like. And that's what all the principalities and powers are like 
who are anti-God, and he exposed them on the cross. And he said, you think you're an authority? No, you're not. I choose when I die. And he gave up his spirit. That's glorious. That's amazing. And then two days later, he defeats death itself. And they are finished forever. All their authority is revealed, all their power is revealed for what it is, and he has broken it. He's paid the price for sin. He's defeated death itself. And he says, you thought you'd won? I've won. The victory's complete. It's finished. And where are you and I? We are in him. Isn't that great? I mean, I, I just ponder this stuff. Spend some time with the word. I, I, I just love what God does. We can live forever, you and I, in the good of all that Jesus has done. So we finish with a question. Are we living in our freedom? Our enemy, although he's defeated, wants to spoil our new life in Christ. Because he knows he's got no authority now. He's got no power now. He can huff and puff, but he can't blow my house down. He can huff and puff, but he can't steal my salvation. He's got no authority over me. I'm a child of God. I'm hidden in Christ. He has no authority over you. Not for one second. However, he whispers in your ear, are you sure you're saved? Did you get that one? Are you sure? Well, I'm sure. I think so. He did that with Eve in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember? About, she says, I'm not, we're not allowed to eat of that. Oh, we'll surely die. And he goes to you and said, are you sure that's what he said? And he comes to us and he comes now to try and spoil our salvation. He tries to take it away. He, he knows he can't, he can't take it away, but he, he wants to stop us entering into it and enjoying it. So he comes to create doubt and uncertainty. And he, he, he'll say, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you're playing your part? Good question. Are we playing our part? Of course, we, there's a part for us to play. But... But all the time he's wanting to push us back into law. Are you praying enough? How about this? Did you pray enough this week? Oh. Did you forget any of your prayer slots? Oh. I did. You must be better than me. Yeah, there's a big intake of breath coming from Jonathan. Am I condemned? Not for a second. But the enemy would make you feel, oh, I didn't, I'm not doing enough. I didn't do it right. I should do better. And so what happens all the time, we spend our time trying to be better, trying to sort ourselves out, try, try, trying to, oh, there, must, there must be a way. There is, it's already done. It's already done. You are free in Christ. You don't have to earn anything. You see, the enemy says to us, we are, you, you need to pray lots, and that way God will bless you lots. Wrong. God's pouring out blessing all the time. All our praying done often is, is, is teaching us to get, align ourselves with God. Any of you ever felt condemned this week? Anybody? Or are you totally living in grace? There's no need to feel condemned because we are now hidden in Christ. Spiritual disciplines are good and are to be encouraged, but they don't earn us stuff before God. 
What Jesus did at Calvary was once and for all time. And once you've been born again and baptized in water, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is your identity in Christ. It's not, it doesn't change because of how you perform. Let me read to you again. I'm going to read a chunk of it. because Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that are to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not, anyone who, do not anyone, let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he's seen. And do, do you get that? People say, oh, I had this experience and I, I was in the third heaven and I saw 16 angels and they all had woolly hats. You know, that, that, sort, of, that sort of mystery, they go, wow. Oh, I don't see anything like that. And if we're not careful, we begin to think we're not very spiritual. Do you get, oh, I'm not very spiritual. I, I, didn't, I didn't see, I had a vision. I don't, I don't get visions. I'm a block of wood. Do, do, do you know, and we're not careful. We're always looking at what other people do and other people say, no, no, it's a done deal. You are in Christ. You are a child of God. It's done. It's not about what you see. It's not about the amazing revelations you have. It's accomplished in Christ. So don't, don't let anyone disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail, detail about what he's seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. I tell you what, in the Christian church there's an awful lot of idle notions about strange, strange teachings around. Don't go there. Don't waste your time. It's a lie of the enemy. Such a person has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes us to grow. Causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? These are all destined to perish. These things, they have an appearance, he says, of wisdom. It's like, oh, it's discipline. I'm not allowed to do that. I grew up as a boy. I wasn't allowed to go to the shop on a Sunday. We'd go on holiday and never buy an ice cream on a Sunday. And you know what? Much of my background I value because it taught me some things about putting God first. But it also taught me stuff about legalism that's not true. Because I'm free to go to a shop on a Sunday. The issue is not Sabbath keeping. The issue is what about the people who are serving us? When do they get time? We, 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 we can get caught up in performance, which is not the right thing to get caught up in. We need to get caught up in Christ. Much more important. So how do we live in our freedom and enter into all God, all God has for us? I haven't time to unpack this fully, but the answer is found in Romans 8. Verses 1 to 4. There is now, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free. It set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by my sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he, Jesus, condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, 
but live according to the Spirit. We believe on Jesus, we're born again. We get baptized in water. And there's, a, there's something about baptism, it's about entering right into the fullness. It's about the Lordship of Christ. But then, it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us. It's fine saying God's walked in the room, but God isn't powerless. Mike goes into a place. Sorry, I'll pick you up. Here's God. And somebody say, I'm dying. Ooh, I don't know what to do. I'm sorry, Mike would, wouldn't say that, of course. But what, all I'm saying is this, we have the authority of God, but we need the power of God. Okay? The, the Holy Spirit is the person of God who would indwell us. He, he is the third person of the Godhead. He, he is the one who gives us revelation of what God's like. He's the one who confirms our identity day by day. He's the one who brings all the power of heaven, all the power of the Godhead, into my life and, and, and is available through me. So do we have authority to raise the, raise the dead or cast out demons or, or heal the sick? Yes. It's not quite, is it God's will? Yeah. If it wasn't God's will, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. Now, there is a not yet thing. I understand we're still waiting for the kingdom to come in its fullness. But right now, you, I don't care whether you've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years, right? You have the authority of the king. And if you will get yourself filled with the Holy Spirit and say, God, fill me today, not just yesterday. Oh, I speak in tongues a bit. No, no, be filled with God and take some faith and start laying hands on people and saying, in Jesus' name, you will find people get healed. You will find the power of God is released. You will find things happen. Because God is at work, because you're there. That's what he's called us to. I'm going to give an opportunity in just a moment for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe for the first time, or maybe again. Because <coughs> the Bible says, be being filled. The law of sin and death no longer has any jurisdiction over us. We don't live under it anymore. We're part of a different kingdom where a different law is at work. It's called the law of the spirit of life. It's not a law of judgment, it's a law of life. It's like, here you are, have my life in you. It's a law that, it's, here you are, have it. And it bubbles up from within us. It's, it's the very person of God. Wow, what a privilege, what a joy. It saves me from being religious. Hallelujah, I don't do religious. I can't, I can't. I get stuffy for me. As children of God, he would fill us with his Holy Spirit every day. The Holy Spirit confirms our identity. He reminds me, my spirit, that I'm a child of God. He fills me every day with the very life of God. He equips me with the very power of God. And as we don't live under law, as we get ourselves free from condemnation, he reminds me over and over again that the law of God is eternally satisfied because of the blood of Jesus and that we are forever in him who is the fullness of the deity. Wow. We have the full authority of Jesus. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the power at work and we have his commission and his permission to go for it. Who would like to be filled again with the Holy Spirit? Good, good. Let's, 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 let's stand up just where you are.
number of hands have gone up. Who would like to be filled again? If you want to be filled again with the Holy Spirit, I, I just, there was a load of you. I, I tell you what, I wasn't going to do it this way, but come to the front because then people can see who you are. Okay, Roger's going to come and join me. Simon's going to come and join me. Come on. I think there'll be more people out here than there will be out there. Um, just come to the front.